As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to an hour of our time. Today, we're going to talk about spiders. We'll discuss their evolutionary history, their unique characteristics, and why so many people are afraid of them. I'm Dave. I'm Mark. I'm Joe. Okay, so spiders. Spiders. Appropriately timed, I think. We didn't consider this, but with the new Spider-Man movie coming out, I've got my 10.30 a.m. tickets. I haven't seen a movie in a movie theater. I got tickets for December 20th, 10.30 in the morning. Me and Joe and Leanna are going. Um, I haven't seen a movie in a theater since the pandemic, and I was only willing to go if it wasn't going to be very busy. So 10.30 in the morning on a Monday... No, that's, there we that's go. Best bet. I think so. I got an offer to go see that with um, some other people, but um, uh, on like Friday, like during like morning, but oh. uh, the Friday yeah. comes out. Right. But um, my wife has to work because she has a normal job. And she was like, um, if you go see that movie without me, I will <laughs> never let you live it down. Well, anyways, to stay on topic here, spiders. Spiders. So, Joe, how do you feel about spiders? Oh, also, we should mention, if you're not hearing Mark's voice, he texted us shortly before we started and said that he is, he had to run an errand and had some sort of an issue. I imagine it's some sort of a car issue and that he would be with us shortly. So, we'll see if he is able to join us. But, Joe, spiders, what do you think? Well, thank you for mentioning Mark. That's... (laughs) Not what I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to say, if you are a person who does not like spiders, you should listen. Or if you like spiders but want to learn about your brain, you should listen to the phobias episode. Yes, yes. Which I don't know if you, I don't know how you feel, Dave. Um, I, I assume you are like me and you probably have your like internal ranking of your episodes you feel are the best. I think that phobia episode is one of our best, so I think you should all I, go I out and give strong. a listen. It certainly is relevant to what I'm going to talk about, which is why we're afraid of spiders. I'll say this. If you don't like spiders, you probably have European ancestry. Hmm. And we'll talk about why that is. Um, but that's the thing. I, I will say I don't particularly like spiders. 
I wouldn't call it a phobia for as yeah. phobia is defined. It should be a lot more debilitating than well, the fact that I just, if you had phobia, you wouldn't be able to record this podcast. No, no, I, you know, I'm just kind of creeped out by them. But when I see a spider, I'm not, I don't become nauseous or have chest pains or become fully debilitated, which is what happens to people that are actually arachnophobic, but that's mm-hmm. definitely a thing. Uh, and, and a lot of people actually suffer from that. So a pretty common phobia, not as common as, I think we said that the most common phobia, especially in the United States, is flying. Um, hmm. But, or at least one of the most common, but, but arachnophobia is up there. So, but Joe, you don't, you don't mind spiders. No, I think spiders are really cool. Which is weird, because you're, you're, you're European as hell. What's that mean? I don't know, we're white. Yes, I'm I European am. too. I am I am quite I have many European features, yes. Yes. Um I love spiders. I don't know. I've always been I've always really liked animals a lot. Sure, yeah. So Yeah, maybe is that um, part of your did you always like you said you've always liked them, but like do you think that that has anything to do with like I guess I guess what I'm saying is it's not a surprise that you are also a biologist. Yeah. Or do you I've have really, a biology background? Yeah, I've always really liked uh spider all kinds of animals. There's like, there's no animals that like creep me out at all. Right. Um, now I also used to work at the zoo mm-hmm. and where I currently work at the museum, we have a tarantula. Yep, so yep. I have, I have like handled now a tarantula is different than. Yeah. Tarantula doesn't really bother me. And then, like, your house, I think there's a reason spiders. why I think why it doesn't, but we'll talk about they're that. larger. Well, uh, one thing I read was that a lot of people, when they when they tried to study why people are afraid of spiders, like there there's there's an evolutionary reason that is that is put forth as a reason for it, but what it is about spiders that people don't like, it's not that people are afraid of being bitten by a spider. Mostly they don't like the long legs and the seemingly erratic movements, the unpredictability of a spider based on its movement, which really isn't that unpredictable, but we perceive it that way. I think a tarantula doesn't bother me as much because it's bigger. And it's furry. It seems more mammalian, if you will. Mammalian? Mammalian. That, yeah, yeah, mammalian? yeah, that mammalian makes sense. Yeah. Although it's not any it's not different than a, a reg, any other spider in terms of, of that, but it seems different. You know, it's like a small dog with a whole bunch of legs. Well, it turns out they are quite different from other spiders. They form uh they're the most recognizable member of one of the three major groups of spiders, but Well, do you want well, let's go there, Joe. Let's talk about spider uh, evolution and how we got to the modern spider. Yeah. So um, I'm going to do this like chron- kind of chronologically. I think you have to. Well, I could step back and like, I think oh. normally if I was oh. doing this, do we have a Mark showing up? Mark's coming in. Coming in hot. So is everything okay, Mark? Yeah, everything is okay. I had a slight car issue while I was out doing some errands, but... Was there a spider in your car? <laughs> no. That would have been too perfect. <laughs> have you ever had a spider in your car? Yes. I had a spider like above my head and I about, about shit my pants. <laughs> I had a spider. Uh, I've had spiders fall onto my head from ceilings before, like twice in my life, which didn't help this this uh, fear I have of spiders. So. Mm, yeah. Anyways. So, Dave, Dave, you're you're afraid of spiders. You definitely don't like them. I I don't like them. I definitely don't have a phobia of them by that definition. But I I am not a fan of spiders. 
Joe uh, doesn't mind spiders. So, Mark, what do you think? Really like really like spiders. Yeah, I think spiders are kind of cool. I don't necessarily want them in my house, but say la vie. Do you like them more than frogs? Hell yeah! I've been seeing a lot of frog content on Mark doesn't like frogs. That's right. I I don't know why. I've been sending you frog stuff. I don't like it. Yeah, I send I, I send you frog things so that you'll click on it, and then when you click on it, you'll get more frog things. Maybe that's what happened. That is how I'm it populate. Works. I'm populating your feed with frogs, my man. Just working that algorithm. Yep, but that also means that I need to look up frogs to do it. So it's just frogs all the time. Frogs upon frogs. Mark, this, is, this isn't even true. I just saw a frog once, and I sent it to you. That's all it was. <laughs> okay, let's talk about spiders. Let's talk. Yeah, talk about the evolution of spiders here. All right, so um. So first, one thing that I think will feed into what you're talking about, Dave, and what we were just kind of discussing with spiders is that spiders are arthropods. Yes. And it's difficult to think of a creature that is more different than us as vertebrates, as mammals, than the arthropods. Um, Because they are... They have an exoskeleton, they have jointed appendages, long legs. They just look very alien. Um, mm-hmm, now there mm-hmm. are some other like there's some other like weird ass looking creatures on this planet, like different kinds of worms and things like that, you know, that look you know, unrecognizable, unrecognizable to us. Jellyfish don't even have the same kinds of tissues as as we do. So they they are very alien in that regard. But what's funny you say alien are, because I think about the xenomorph and I did watch yeah. aliens. You should know. I watched it a couple months ago, and Thank God. around Halloween. But it is, you know, that's definitely a characteristic that they built into that design, probably yeah. to play on the fact that most people find the long legs of a spider to be unsettling. Yes, the xenomorph has definitely um, arthropod elements, some like reptilian elements. I mean, they, just, they basically like, you know, we're looking at what creeps people out. Well, Mark, but, um, Mark can can. Uh, can tell you all in in the voice of um oh and Dix. why am i forgetting his name now giger h.r geiger h.r geiger yeah Her geiger looks like a spider yeah um we should let mark do that not me but um but anyway that wasn't bad that wasn't bad i once was told by uh, a paleontology professor of mine that the history of life on earth is really just the history of arthropods because basically nearly all animals are arthropods. There's far more of them than there are of us. For instance, spiders alone. This is not even talking about insects, which there are a fuck ton of. There are 45,000 described species of spiders. For instance, there are about 6,000 species of mammals. Ah. Total. And can I tag on to this? 45,000 species of spiders. To talk about how irrational a fear of them is, how many of those species are harmful to humans? Roughly 200. I was going to say, in this country, you can count on one hand. Yeah, yeah. I, I read that uh, in this country, about six people a year die of a spider bite, but about 40 people die of a bee sting. So just to put that in um, in, you know, yep. in perspective. Now, th- that's 45,000 species, 45, described species. But the thing is, spiders are small. And um, many of them live in um, areas like the rainforest where there's like high density of biodiversity. 
So estimates uh, range up to 120,000 species of spiders because they describe a new spider species like <laughs> practically daily. So you mean the estimate is that we've only cataloged about a third of the spider species that potentially exist? Correct. Damn. One of the ways that they one of the ways that they um, survey like small creatures, especially arthropods, like they'll go to the rainforest and they'll just put a net, big net under a tree, fog the tree, and they'll fog a tree and record multiple new species. Can you define what you mean by fog a tree? Uh, like fog it with like insecticide, so all the stuff just drops out of the tree. Seems like a serious dick move. Well, it's you know they're not doing it like wide scale. Sure. But the way you catch arthropods, a lot of it is with uh, dead traps where you like an alcohol bottle. Mm. If you if you take a biological diversity class, you're probably going to go out with an alcohol bottle and collect. Little little critters. Anyway. Hmm. So there's a lot of spiders. Like I said, spiders are arthropods. What are arthropods? They are one of the major groups of organisms. Major animal groups are called phyla. Or one singular is a phylum. Hmm. Um, so arthropods are a phylum. They're by far the largest. By far the largest. Just for instance, one in five animals is a beetle. <laughs> a beetle? Like, I'm not kidding. There's a, a fuck ton of arthropods. A bunch of lenins running around out there. And if you look at the fossil record, like, I, you know, my background is I study, um, you know, vertebrates, fossil mammals, fossil reptiles. Almost all fossils are of arthropods. Almost all of them. Yeah. Or at least marine invertebrates. So um, these are like animals with jointed appendages. They molt their exoskeleton. Their exoskeleton. Exoskeleton. Good Lord. Um, so it's been traditionally, and some other examples of arthropods would be crabs, lobsters, um, barnacles, scorpions, insects, um, things. These are arthropods. Okay. Spiders, as we are going to discuss. Um, it's what about, what about a trilobite? Was that an arthropod? Oh, thank you. Yes. That's like the, er- is like the early arthropod. They are an extinct group of arthropods that has no living descendants. Mm. Uh, Although the they look an awful lot like a horseshoe crab, though. They do look an awful lot like them, but that's convergent evolution where groups of organisms end up sort of looking superficially similar but don't share close evolutionary relatedness. Mm. Give me another example. Bats and birds, they both have wings. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, From a distance, a they look superficially similar, but if you look at the internal structure, they're not at all similar. Sure, sure. Okay, okay. gotcha. So it's been... Difficult to discern the interrelatedness of the different groups of arthropods, because if you go back far enough in time to the car or to I'm sorry to the Cambrian like 530 million years ago, where the first arthropods appear, very quickly after that you get like basically the modern groups of arthropods. So they diversified super quickly. Like just to use an example, by 530 million years you have something called the Cambrian explosion, where you have all this diversification of hard shelled organisms to the point where people used to think that that's when life originated because there's very few fossils before that. Okay. Now, since then we found many, many more fossils from prior to that, but it is like kind of the origin of most of the modern groups of animals by about 50 million years later, you have shrimp. Mm. 
Shrimp? <laughs> like, not the group that shrimp belong, but like shrimp. <laughs> yeah, a shrimp. So, yeah, so these groups all diversified really quickly. So it's very, so you look at some of these fossil organisms from that period of time, and it's really hard to tell, like, what that is the ancestor of. But uh, they do all share a common ancestor. But luckily, we don't just have to look at fossils. We can also look at the living groups, and a lot of them have living descendants. So we can look at DNA evidence, DNA mm. and proteins, molecular phylogeny. So you're building an evolutionary tree using the molecular evidence, comparing the basically the DNA sequences uh, or other biological molecules between different groups. Um, so within the last 10 years, a consensus has developed of the interrelationships between the different arthropods. So where do spiders and other arachnids fit in with the rest of these groups? There are three main groups for arthropods. The chelicerates, which are the fanged arthropods, which includes arachnids. Sure. There are the uh, myriapods, which are um, myriad, many, pod is foot. So these, what do you think those are? Like centipedes or something? Centipede, millipede. Centipedes and millipedes, yep, yep. And then pancrustacea, which is... Some of them are very delicious. That's the crustaceans, like crabs, lobsters, and shrimp, and hexapods, which are the insects, broadly. So insects are more closely related to certain crustacean groups than a lot of sea-living crustaceans are related to one another. Mm. So insects evolved from crustaceans, essentially. Um, so chelicerates are... Sea spiders. I urge you to look up some of these things I'm talking about because they're real cool. Okay. It doesn't really do it justice to just like name them and describe them. Sea spiders, horseshoe crabs, and arachnids are chelicerates. But a couple recent studies I was talking to Dave about um, uh, show that horseshoe crabs, and if you've never seen a horseshoe crab, they're really cool. And they have been around relatively unchanged for hundreds of million years hundreds of millions of years uh, their blood is blue and we use their blood to test pharmaceuticals oh okay yep um, they're looking for a they're looking for a synthesized version of this compound that's in their blood so that we don't have to harvest thousands of horseshoe crabs and bleed them mm. they toss them back into the sea but it's it's not clear what happens to them right um, but uh but it turns out that horseshoe crabs are not just like the next closest group to the arachnids, but they're actually nested deeply within arachnids. So they are more closely related to spiders than spiders are to, for instance, daddy long legs. Mm, okay. So like a very a superficially spider looking thing um, is actually further away on the tree from spiders than horseshoe crabs. So they're they're very closely related to spiders. And this makes sense because spiders and other arachnids evolved from an aquatic ancestor. Mm, okay. So, you know, all life started in the sea. Right. And arthropods are actually some of the earliest land animals. They got onto land way earlier than our ancestors, the the vertebrates are what we call a tetrapod. Um, so some other examples of arachnids would be um, scorpions. People are, I think, pretty familiar with uh, scorpions. Um, there are uh, uh, sea spiders, which I talked about. 
Yeah, I'm looking, at other, some like... of, I'm looking at some of the sea spiders, and you know what a lot of them look like? The face hugger. Sp- oh. Yes. I was so. going to say um, spiders. <laughs> well, yeah, but like there are certain ones that look yeah. kind of like the, the face hugger from Alien. They only kind of look like spiders. I don't know. Um, some of the things that are, are also in the arachnid group, scorpions I think people are familiar with. There's, um, like I said, um, apiliones, which are harvestmen, or what a lot of people call daddy long legs. I think I don't really think they look like spiders, but they have eight legs, I guess. You know, mm-hmm. we're talking about Dave. Seen ever seen a daddy long legs? Oh, oh yeah, there was one in my basement the other day. They are completely harmless. There's a myth that they have the strongest venom of any spider. Again, they're not spiders, um, but that their fangs are too small. They do not have venom, and they do not have fangs. They don't have mouth parts that can bite you. Um. Oh, there's a whip. There was a meme I saw the other day of. There was a meme I saw or an image I saw the internet the other day that was like a drawing of two scientists and they were trying to classify a daddy long leg for the first time. And the one was like, what if we call it long leg? And the other one was like, make it sexier. <laughs> this is why I like, also I'm a fucking nerd dork, but I like uh, the scientific names of things better. Because there's like all these things like whip scorpions, whip spiders, tailless whip scorpions, micro whip scorpions. Remember when we when we used to take care of the tail, tailless whip scorpions? Now that is a kind of terrifying. That was that was freaky, and we had to take care of those things for like four months. Yeah, now they can't do anything to you, but they look. They look like they could take over. Look up a tailless whip scorpion. They're pretty cool. So, what's um, the scientific name of a daddy long leg? Opiliones is the group that they belong to. You may have already said that. Yeah. But then there's also, oh, and another major group would be the ticks and mites. These are also arachnids. Oh, oh okay. And there's also solifugues or camel spiders. Every so often, a doctored image appears of a soldier, American soldier in Afghanistan, holding the spider that's like the size of a dog. Yeah. It's a camel spider. It's a doctored image. But Aren't, aren't they really like the size of your fist? They can get kind of big. But they're not really that big. What's the one in do uh, you find in in like Puerto Rico? Um, there are so the kind um, of spider that eats birds. Yeah, a, the Goliath bird eater is a type That's of tarant- it. tarantula. That and is don't they, actual... don't they call it the devil's fist because it is like the size of a fist? It's like a big dopey tarantula. <laughs> I don't know. You fucking, you, anyway, you, you call it that. You okay. go find one and call it that. We. Used we had one, I think. Anyway, that's what... Did we? That's arachnids. Does that kind of give you a kind of a sense of Absolutely. the diversity of that group? Do you, do you know what the largest... What's the largest arachnid that is still around today? I think it's that Goliath bird eater. It might be. Um, so there's a trend in, uh, in arthropods in general uh, that's something called tagmosis. So imagine like a millipede or centipede. They've got all these repeating segments. The trend in the evolution of arthropods is to fuse those segments into like functional units. So think of an insect. They have three body segments that you learn in like elementary school. Right. Head, thorax, abdomen. Um, the more the the um, groups of arachnids that have the most like ancestral or what you might say primitive features i try not to say the word primitive because it's like a negative connotation 
would be scorpions because like mm-hmm. they have a lot of body segments. Like this, think of that segmented tail. Then think of uh, mites or spiders that only have two body segments, so they've fused them all together. So ones um, like a scorpion that have more body types are more similar like they they are more similar to the way they were hundreds of thousands of years ago they retain more of the features of their of like the ancestral arachnid yes and why is that why have some evolved effectively evolved more than others it's not the sense that they evolved more but they just like that's why i don't like to use the word primitive because like it implies that spiders are like quote unquote more evolved than a scorpion for instance it's just been it's been useful to them to retain those features. Mm. I think of their tail, which they use. It's got the stinger on them. They use it to catch their prey. Right. If it were fused, it wouldn't be as effective. But spiders have um, only two body segments, um, which are called the um, the prosoma, which is the head, mm. and the opisosoma, which is the abdomen. Okay. Um. They sometimes you will see these referred to as a cephalothorax and an abdomen, but um, that implies that they're like homologous with those structures in insects, but they did not evolve um, from those structures. Okay, all these groups come from like a multi segmented organism that evolved fewer segments. Okay, makes sense. So we, so scientists use prostoma and epistosoma. Um, so like I said, uh, spiders and mites have like the fewest number of ancestral characters, so they look the least like the ancestral arachnid, and scorpions look sort of more like it. Um, spiders are most closely related to the whip scorpions, which we've talked about. Some early spiders, and even like pretty far into their history, retained a long the whip or the long tail, it's called a telson. So you see these fossil spiders and they look kind of roughly like a spider, but they have that long trailing whip on the back. What does that okay. whip do? It's sometimes as a sensory organ. Like an antenna? Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was lost and they don't need it anymore. Some of the earliest, oh, I'm sorry, the major developments in spiders are um, the fusion of segments, like I said, the development of silk and the development of spinnerets to spin the silk. So silk comes first, then the spinnerets. Some of the earliest land arthropods are these things called trigonotarbids. And if you look this up, what would be hard for you to do, <laughs> trigonotarbid, um, but they resemble spiders, but they have a segmented abdomen. Mm. Um, and they had like a terrestrial lifestyle and eight legs, but they are not spiders. So there were spider-like things on land, hundreds of, like, basically as soon as the first land animals. Um, it looks kind of like a mite. Yeah. They had also had book lungs, which is the type of lung structure that spiders and their close relatives have. What does that mean? Um, it's just that it refers to the structure of the lung looks like a book, because the Structures are like thin sheets that are layered on top of each other, like pages of a book. Mm, okay, I see. It helps make a larger surface area for gas exchange. So they have actual kind of lung-like structures. This is different than insects. Insects don't have lungs. They have tracheae, which are these holes inside of the body that mm. actually just lead via tubes. So the internal organs are just 
bathed with air from the outside. They don't breathe in and out. Oh, okay. Which is pretty. That's why they can't get bigger than there. Um, bu- 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 um, yeah. Oh, one thing about spiders I forgot to mention is that spiders and their arachnids have the eight legs, but they also have these structures near the mouth called pedipalps. In spiders, especially in like tarantulas, if you look at a image or a video of a tarantula, they're really large, and you'll see them very obvious. Um, in scorpions, the, these are the pinchers. Oh, okay. So in every group of arachnids, they're doing something different with their pedipalps, and then the chelicerae are the fangs, mm. which in spiders are fangs. Um, but these trigonotarbids did not spin silk, and there's no evidence for spinnerets. So again, they're like superficially resemble spiders, but they're not spiders. Some fossils dating as far back as 380 million years ago have been identified as spiders, but they didn't have spinnerets. The earliest true spiders are from about 300, 300 million years ago during a time period called the Carboniferous, where all these things are coming out on land. You get these huge forests that are actually where our coal comes from. And the diversification of different groups of insects. What's really interesting is that... Um, the earliest uh, true spiders probably coexisted with a bunch of like different spider-like groups that went extinct. Oh, okay. So they're maybe perhaps like, outcompete outcompeted by yeah, it was spy it was spider world. Yeah. <laughs> perhaps outcompeted by um true spiders. Um so the thing spiders don't have a really good fossil record because they're pretty squishy. They have an external they don't have internal skeleton. Right. Um, they don't even even have muscles in their legs. It's all hydrostatic. It's like pneumatic. So the muscles are at the base of the leg to like pressurize or depressurize, which moves the hydraulics of their leg. Oh, that's weird. Weird to think about. Cool as fuck. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Is that is that get... something that's that's unique to arthropods? No, I think some arthropods do have an intrinsic musculature in their legs but spiders do not mm. well i guess i mean are spiders the only kind of animals that have that function no 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 there's a lot of different things like that got it okay um that's why they have their legs can be can look really like long and spindly yeah which i think contributes to them being creepy to people i suppose it does silk was probably initially used not for spinning webs. The early spiders didn't spin webs, and for tens of millions of years, they didn't spin a web. Silk was for protecting the eggs, maybe later for making simple sheets and trap doors. And some of the most, I'll say, primitive spiders today still only make trap doors and don't spin any other kind of web. Huh. Um, eventually, around 250 million years ago, spiders diversify into the three main groups that are living today. There's also some extinct groups. You have the mesothelae, which are the trapdoor spiders that I just mentioned. They mainly are confined to Southeast Asia, but they're still alive today. They're super primitive. They've been around like relatively unchanged for like 250 million years. Hmm. Then there's the megalomorphae, which are fangs that face pointing straight down. Those are mainly the funnel web spiders, which a lot of them live in Australia. Although there oh, okay. are some that live here, but they're small and you you never see them. Mm. Uh, and tarantulas. Oh. So these are that's the one that people are going to be familiar with because tarantulas, some people keep them as pets. They use them for movies to stand in for spiders because they're, they're big and you can right. handle them. 
Home Alone, famously. Yeah. And then there's the, uh, I always find it funny when there's like a movie and there's like a spider in like a house and it's like a tarantula. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, at least in Home Alone, it makes sense because it is a pet that gets loose. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then there's the Arainomorphae, which are the vast majority of living spiders. Their fangs cross. Mm, okay. Um, and they build, oh, I'm sorry, the Miglomorphae um, build simple webs and they mostly walk around to hunt. The Arainomorphae, that's where you see the complex webs, including mm-hmm. the orb weavers, which are super complex webs. Um a lot of what we know about spiders from their fossil record is, like I said, they have a poor fossil record, but uh, after about 100-ish million years, you start to get some that are trapped in amber, mm. which is like basically perfect preservation, including from about 110 million years old, there's a fossil of the first known orb web that actually has trapped insects preserved in it, which is really cool. Hmm. So as in the... Mesozoic era, the age of the dinosaurs, and later you get this explosion and diversification of insects. And along with it, you get the diversification of spiders because spiders mainly prey on insects. And so for, you know, 100, 200 million years, spiders have co co evolved with their prey. That brings us up to today. Um, maybe later we can like talk about some neat examples of spiders, but I've already talked for too long. That's all right. Very interesting. Shall we talk more about silk? Yeah, that's like their main defining feature. So let's let's talk about it. Well, they're not the only creature that make silk. Um, like silkworms. Silkworms. Um, a bunch of other types of insects, um, particularly larvae of certain insects, all make silk, hmm. but in, in different types and for different reasons. Like... Um, any kind of insect larva that will make a little cocoon, it's made out of silk. Hmm. Um, and the silk in a spider is made in a silk gland. And I read that the, the silk is a liquid before it's extruded. Uh, and it said that it was in a liquid crystalline state. It's just like Spider-Man. Sure, sure what that means. Um, but coming from the silk gland, the actual silk spinning organ is called a spinneret. I'm sure that you mentioned that before. Um, most spiders have six spinnerets. Um, some only have two, four, or eight. Um, and the pairs can move independently um, or work together. Um, so the... The silk is extruded through what are described as microscopic spigots, just like little little tiny holes, each producing a filament of silk. Um, and okay. I'm not sure exactly how the spinneret works. Maybe, Joe, you know a little bit more about this. But they are able to... These little holes, are they... These little holes are they and they in the front or are they in the back? Oh, the spinnerets are usually always at the the tail end, at the very end of the back of, end of the spider. Got it. Okay. It's butt. yeah, and the silk glands are in the abdomen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the butt, butt, butt yeah. silk, butt silk. Yes, that's why I've heard like Spider Man. He shoots his webs from his 
his arms, he should shoot the web out of his butt. <laughs> Which would have been especially weird for Toby Maguire because it would have actually been being produced by his ass. Right. Yeah. I have to stop for a second. In the Spider-Man comics, you know, Spider-Man, they're electronic gadgets. He, he, that he he's builds made. them and straps them to his wrist. Yeah. And it's a web fluid that hardens on contact with air, just like real spider silk. Right. In the first Toby Maguire movie, for whatever reason, they said, nah. Makes more sense that he's he's Spider Man. He makes Spider Silk. I grant them that that is true. So in the comics, they retconned around like the two, early two thousands. They retconned Spider Man so that Peter Parker started making silk from his body to mirror the movies. And then eventually they got rid of that because they did a bunch of dumb shit with Spider Man in the early two thousands. Well, it's it's gross to think about. Sure is. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't prefer it, and I don't know why Sam Raimi chose to do that, but yeah, it's gross. Yes. Also, anyway, also in 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 all you know other Spider-Man comics and the other movies, those web shooters getting broken by an enemy or they being used in another way is an important plot device. When it's coming out of you, like the only thing they could do, like in Spider-Man Two, to make it a plot device was, oh, he like is having some sort of like mental breakdown so he he can't produce it's not producing anymore which i guess is fine but it it really it takes it out of the hand of the enemy yeah and the comic spider-man always runs out of web fluid right at like when the story requires him to yeah runs out of it or they get broken in a time where like that's the thing he needs most yeah Yeah. anyways real spiders You, you, you speaking of web fluid Mm. Um, shooting this is a, basically a protein molecule and these little spigots in the spinneret are able to orient the protein molecules as they come out and as Joe said they solidify uh, on contact with air most of the time although there is there are different types of silk for different things um, and uh, the spigots can work together to incorporate multiple filaments in different ways to produce different kinds of silk for different purposes. Um, And the size, shape, orientation, whatnot of the spinneret itself can help identify the um, use of the silk produced by that spider and also Hmm. what species it belongs to. These are unique to to a lot of different types of spiders. Um, and some spiders may have multiple different kinds of silk right. that they produce. In terms of strength um, and its properties and whatnot, spider silk is lighter than cotton and 1,000 times thinner than human hair when it comes Damn. out. Um, and I'm guessing a, a, a lot stronger. Yeah, it is not as stiff as steel, but it has a similar tensile strength and a higher strength to density ratio compared to steel. Huh. From um, this was an article that I found. We should have done this in in the form of fast facts. Eight captivating facts about spider silk. <laughs> Ooh. Um, quantitatively, spider silk is five times stronger than steel of the same diameter. And is often compared with Kevlar wow. as well. It's a very durable plastic. 
Um, spider silk is very elastic too um, and can stretch four times its original length without breaking and also remains uh, very strong in very cold temperatures, extremely cold temperatures. Mm. Although I wouldn't imagine that a lot of spiders live in cold climates. Um, spiders live everywhere in the world except Antarctica. Okay. So to Mark's point. I don't know if that answers your question. Well, it kind of does. There is a, a type of spider called the Darwin's bark spider. It lives in Madagascar. And they have found that it can, I don't know how it, how it does this, but it can stretch a, a line of silk up to 82 feet and can cross large rivers. Huh. It's, um, it's uh, something that spiders do. They actually like let um, the thread of silk be extruded and carried by the wind, and then they tug uh-huh. on it once it like it's like a. It sounds like Spider Man, gra- like a fucking grappling hook. Yeah, Spider Man. Yeah. So, as I mentioned, there is a, a pretty big diversity of different types of spider silk, and I was not aware of this. I assumed it was all kind of the same, um, and. Each is specialized for a different kind of purpose. And the way that it is extruded and arranged by the spinneret organs make each of these types unique. So um, there are seven known types of silk um, and, and produced by... Di- are these produced by different silk glands or the, the, from the same gland? Different kinds of glands for the different kinds of silk. Okay. Um, there is an acniform. Um, type of silk and it is for wrapping and immobilizing prey Um, there's another type called aggregate that is sort of the wet droplet sticky part that you can sometimes see on a a web and that's more for um, catching prey if you watch like a time lapse of an orb weaver building its web you'll see some of these different types. Mm. Okay. There's a, an ampulate major and minor form, and these are like uh, drag lines that are initially used to secure the construction of a web. Um, the minor form isn't as strong, but it is more elastic. Hmm. Um, there's a, a cylindroform that is a stiffer type of silk used to protect egg casings. Um, Flagelliform is a stretchy core fibers of a web's capturing lines. This is um, a key web part. Then there's a pryiform. um, And it is an anchoring type of thread um, that sticks threads together that makes sense that drag line that you mentioned is like if you ever see like a spider that you've startled or something drop down on a web right that's a drag line they connect to again this is like spider-man yeah (laughs) they connect to where they were and drop down that way you know they go back up and start where they were they could come back up if they wanted or they can get to the surface that they're going to 
and crawl away. Hmm. So it's a it's a frequently used as an escape mechanism as well as you being used to build uh, for web construction. Um, so Mark, some of those, not all spiders will have all of those web types. Right. But I think the most, the orb weavers I keep mentioning, cause they like build the most intricate webs. will have as many as five different kinds of uh, silk glands. Um, so I was going to mention that some of the wide variety is due to the different types of webs that spiders can make. So we have spiral webs, tubes, funnels, trapdoors, and there are some spiders like the diving bell spider or the improbably named Bob Marley spider <laughs> who <laughs> live in water all the time or part of the time that can make like a little a little shell thing almost that can trap air so that they can go in the water. Why is cool. it called the Bob Marley spider? I have no idea. Likes to smoke weed. I guess. <laughs> um, Did it also have a tumor in its foot and then refused to get its toe amputated and then spread to the rest of its body and then it died? It did. That's weird. That's super weird. Yeah. Yeah. It says it's from Australia. Um, All right. Getting further from an answer. Does it so, like look exactly like him? It is an intertidal species with the name inspired by Marley's song, High Tide or Low Tide. So part of the reason why it makes this type of little um, air bubble is to ride out a high tide. I think somebody mm, just okay. really liked okay. Bob Marley. I think so. That makes sense. Scientists name things after some interesting things. If you discover, you get to name it. Isn't there a dinosaur with like a Harry Potter name or something? Although that's the common name, not the scientific name. Yeah, there's, well, there's a dinosaur uh, genus called Dracorex Hogwartsi. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> like we've reached the finish line, everybody. Although that's not it. Well, in their defense, Dave, they, you, the, Children's Museum of Indianapolis did a naming campaign, and that's the name the kids picked. First mistake. <laughs> dinosaur mc- dinosaur face. <laughs> the, just speaking of weird spiders, um, since we're talking about the Bob Marley spider, there's a spider named Bagheera Kipling Eye. So, like a red-eared Kipling. Yes. Okay. Um, that is a uh, herbivorous. Oh. The only known described in 2008 is only known herbivorous spider. All other spiders. That's, that's one woke ass spider. Yeah. All other spiders are, except it's named after a rooter kibbling, but. <laughs> yeah. Minus that. <laughs> minus that part. Yeah. I don't know why it's named after that. Because yeah. Bagheera is a cat, which is a car- carnivore. It doesn't make any fucking sense. I don't know. Mo- all, all other spiders are carnivorous uh, and they can't chew. So they inject digestive enzymes and suck the juices out. So they are digest, then ingest. Whereas we think of eating as ingest, then digest. Not all creatures do it that way. To go back a couple minutes here, Joe, did you say dinosaur McDinosaur face at one point? Yeah, remember when they had that campaign to name the the research boat and the name the one was Bodie McBoatface? (laughs) So the the people the yes. it's from England. Yeah. So they decided like actually we're not gonna name it that. I was saying if you were gonna yeah. do a naming campaign for a dinosaur, it's a good thing that they didn't name mm-hmm. it 
dinosaur McDinosaur face. That's scaly Mc, scaly McDick face, like you said. <laughs> Dicky McScale face. <laughs> Whichever. That's a that's the, you. That's what you get. That's like a disease you get. <laughs> Anyways, Mark, did you come encounter any of the other like weird ways that spider use spiders use webs to catch prey? Tell me about spider venereal disease. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't get into that. Um, we were talking about the the spider car crossing the river and how spiders could harness the power of the wind. Um, mm. And apparently this is a pretty common thing for spiders. They make silk sails mm-hmm. and can... Like Spider-Man with the little things under his wind. arms. This is known as ballooning. And it's a common way for baby spiders to disperse after they're hatched. 100% ballooning is something else. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. <laughs> when your balls get real big. Yeah. I don't know well, what it is, but balloon, I'm sure ballooning it is. is also one. <laughs> what did you say? Ballooning Mark? is one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I heard part of that. I'm just trying to push past it. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I want to know. Orb weavers can. You know, I have the audio. I can isolate it. <laughs> <laughs> Enhance. 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 Um, Orb weaver spiders um, can slingshot themselves at prey using their um, silk. I don't like that. There are some species that rather than like having a web that things get caught in, they string a web with their forelimbs as a net and grab prey in the net. Damn. There's a spider that makes a lasso. <laughs> and there are spiders that make their webs into bolas that they throw. Jeez. The, what's the spider that, like the little ones we see in Ohio that look like they're moving under a strobe light? You know what I'm talking about? Their movement is very um, like quick and it's almost like they're missing a frame every oh. like eight or ten frames. Oh yeah, like the jumping spiders. The jumping spiders don't they? They they look to me like they're moving under a strobe light. Well, they move very fast. They're active hunters, and there's some in the genus Portia that um, show signs of intelligence, like they actually have decision making. Yeah. Um, which is something that we associate with vertebrates, but there are some invertebrates, like squid and octopi. And this mm-hmm. spider that shows signs of intelligence. So basically, like, if they can't get to prey the same way, they'll change their strategy. Mm-hmm. They're not just running a script, which is most, certainly most arthropods. Hmm. It's pretty cool. Um, so we talked about different kinds of silk, and some of the silk is... Um, coated with a, a liquid called spinning dope that makes it sticky. Did you say um, spinning dope? Spinning dope is what it's called in this article. Okay. But uh, there's a different group of spiders um, called cerebolates, I believe. And they um, have a specialized organ within their spinneret, I guess, called a cerebellum. Um, and it makes a, a different type of silk that is mechanically sticky instead of sticky, sticky. It's kind of like Velcro. 
And apparently huh. they, they produce very thin threads that the spider will comb with bristles on their legs. And it turns into sort of like a more wooly fiber that other stuff will stick to. Okay. Yeah, these are the, the spiders that make snares do this. They spin it and then they pass that to their front appendages. Pretty cool. Hmm. Uh, we talked about orb weavers a little bit. They um, they have the the most some of the most elaborate webs. And they're usually in open areas to catch flying insects. Um, but what I didn't know is that uh, most of these types of spiders build a new web regularly, but they will eat the old silk as they remove their old web and recycle the proteins to remake into a new web. I think that's pretty cool. That's efficient. And in terms of creating a web, um, spiders can sense nanometer changes and vibrations in the structure of their web. So a, a recent study explains how spiders quote unquote tune the strands of their web sort of like a guitar so that they can better detect vibrations um, and things to be able to hunt more efficiently. Hmm. Um, some other recent studies suggest that spider silk has an, um, antibacterial property i've heard this before there are some some historical records of this um or people using spider silk in general in polynesia people have made fishing lines somehow out of spider silk um, but in ancient greek and roman times um, there are some records of soldiers using cobwebs to stop a wound from bleeding and uh, people that live in the Carpathian Mountains treated wounds with silk tubes of purse web spiders. And uh, they did this study in 2012 that suggests that there wasn't, from how it's described here, there wasn't a lot of difference, but a correlation with the inhibited growth of negative bacteria. It doesn't go so far as to say that it's it kills bacteria, but it will prevent them from growing in certain circumstances. And that gotcha. the effect was temporary. And since spider silk is uh, biodegradable, non-antigenic, non-inflammatory, um, people believe that this has a significant medical potential. Um, they tried to artificially produce silk with... Um, artificial artificial silk with antibiotic molecules um, although this seemed pretty difficult and didn't really go anywhere this uh, this article that I found had a picture of I, I remember seeing this somewhere else I don't know where it came from but somebody made an elaborate gold cape out of spider silk and hmm. it was part of uh, like a high fashion show Mm -hmm. um, and it could take 400 spiders to produce one square yard of cloth. 
Damn. Yeah, it's hard to get silk from spiders because unlike a silkworm where they like deposit it, you you can't like pull you have to be, you have to basically pull the web out of the spider. They can Usually farm they're... um so, uh silkworms. Yeah. Right. And harvest them specifically. Um, but they can't really do that with spiders. Um, so with a with a silkworm, doesn't the silk come from like a little little cocoon thing, kind of like a, a cotton ball? Yes, that you can go and like harvest and pick. Yeah, but you just spiders don't don't do that. Yeah. Um, so this uh, this golden cape that they made, it says here that it took a team of eighty people eight years. Collecting silk from 1.2 million wild golden orb weaver spiders in Madagascar to make this thing. I'm pretty sure when you extract the web from the spiders, it kills them because you're just pulling it all out. Well, it says they were returned to the wild afterwards, but I don't know what oh. that means. Hmm. Well, no, I must be wrong. Oh, I, I watched something where they've talked about historically how they've attempted to get spider silk and in those cases it usually does kill them but no this 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 group i saw the cape is really cool it it it's it kind of unnecessary yeah but i don't know i think the the potential for like you know synthetic spider silk or whatever is um interesting um so maybe maybe yeah, this is a step towards that yeah they've inserted the spider spider silk genes into goats so they're producing their milk was first cloned to, in 1990. They've tried to give it to silk moth larvae, um, E. coli, so various different things. The problem is not necessarily making the protein, but it's spinning it into the web. Yeah, so it says that this sort of worked, that it it created proteins, but the strands were shorter and simpler than what an actual spider produces mm. yeah um, yeah because they they're not just like secreting the proteins it you know they mechanically stretch it out extrude it i guess yeah so people think that there are all kind of different benefits making strong lightweight material or fabric um the the spinning dope fluid the sticky part um, according to this article, someone is experimenting with a way to create that sticky fluid that you can spray on things as a um, like insect trap or insect repellent type thing. Hmm. Um, so, yeah. I don't know. I think that that's all very interesting. I didn't realize that there were so many different types of silk I mean, I knew, I knew that, you know, spiders make different kind of webs and do different things, but I um, didn't know that the, the actual material was that different. Well, let's end by talking about the fear of spiders and why so many people are afraid of them. So as we mentioned in the top of the episode, as I'm sure you already know, fear of spiders is called arachnophobia. As we mentioned in our phobia episode, to be a phobia, it has to create a pretty debilitating response. So a lot of people don't like spiders very much, are uncomfortable around spiders. 
Um, I am one of those people, but I would not call it my what I have a phobia because I do not um, ex- experience nausea or chest pains or, or any other thing that is debilitating when I see a spider, but some people do. And there have been a lot of studies that have tried to determine why so many people are afraid of spiders. And there are a few different theories. One is something called spider trauma. And this one sort of makes sense. And I think we touched on this idea in our phobia episode. If you had a bad experience with a spider when you were a child, you know, maybe as a child, a spider dropped down on your head from the ceiling and scared you. That might cause a fear of spiders that carries on into adulthood. That would be an example of spider trauma. Another theory is that perhaps you were raised in a household with somebody who didn't like spiders and that, you know, fear or dislike of spiders, you know, rubbed off on you as a child and you kind of grew into that fear. And these, these things make sense. But bigger than that, um, there is a psychologist named Graham Davy. Um, and in the early 90s, when with the City University of London, sorry, with City University London, he did a study, conducted a study that found that arachnophobia might be a family trait and bigger than just, okay, my mom didn't like spiders. She always, you know, yelled, screamed when she saw a spider and that rubbed off on me as a child. He actually found that there could be a, you know, a genetic element to this an evolutionary element and i said at the beginning of the show i think before you got on mark that what was found is that you are more likely to be afraid of spiders if you are of european descent and we think this or have come to maybe know this because if you look at other cultures india indian culture african cultures um fear of spiders is not really a thing and in some cultures like aboriginal tribes in australia spiders are considered good luck but in europe throughout the centuries spiders have had a very different meaning Um, there was belief for a long time that spiders carried disease uh, before we knew you know in the 19th century that the the black death and plagues that started in europe and like the 10th century came from fleas on rats a lot of times people thought that they came from spiders. So much so that if a spider was found in a crate of food, that food was considered to be contaminated. If a spider fell into water, that water was considered to be contaminated. And so over generations, there was this dislike and fear of spiders, specifically in European cultures. So if you, the study found that if you were uh, afraid of spiders, it was more likely that you had European ancestry. And there was a, another study in Germany that was done where they they showed babies different photos and observed their their pupil dilation and found that if they showed them pictures of, of animals like um, I think they I think if I remember correctly they showed them like a koala you know they would have a pleasant response but when they showed babies snakes and spiders they had this pupil dilation which kind of showed that they had a negative reaction without it being a learned trait it was an inherent fear response to those things um go ahead, with Mark. snakes i might understand that as like a primordial evolution thing like watch out for snakes but if yeah. 
the majority of spiders are not dangerous, why the reaction would be the same? I'm not saying that it's that that it's an appropriate response. I'm just saying um, that people yeah. over time, especially in Europe, misunderstood the danger of spiders and that association got carried down. And that association can be carried it's an evolutionary trait, which I think is really interesting. I used to be in the camp of especially when I was like working in like, you know, the zoo like conservation education, like no one is born afraid of any animal and you learn it. Um, and I, you know, this is partially born out from like, you know, anecdotes, you know, watch like little kids come up to the tarantula and they're like, Oh, or the snake that you have. And they're like, Oh, that's cool. Their parents are afraid of it. Older kids are, I've already started to learn and they sometimes are afraid of it, but you know, I've read stuff like what Dave's talking about and definitely does seem like there might be some adaptive significance to this creature could be dangerous. Like some spiders are venomous. Now here's the thing though. If you show people a picture of a tiger, I want to know what, how they react. Cause people love <laughs> big cats and things like that. But obviously those creatures are far more dangerous than most spiders. Right? Sure. Sure. And like, well, you know, we've heard the thing like hippos kill more people than crocodiles you know that kind of stuff so i don't know it gets fuzzy i guess well you know i found this blog post that the same guy graham davies wrote in 2014 for psychology today and he talks about the idea of um disgust relevance that animals other you know not just humans acquire disgust relevance through evolution and it's like an, an association of disgust with things that could spread disease, like feces, mucus, things like that. Yeah. And because some animals are similar to those substances, it causes a disgust relevance uh, response to those animals. So his example was like, why don't people like sli- or why do uh, like humans and other animals maybe don't like slimy things like a slug? Like people don't like slugs because they're slimy. They associate slimy with mucus, and we have an evolutionary. Um, response to slimy mucus being potentially carrying of disease. Hmm. Um, and he was saying, you know, spiders don't, you know, doesn't seem to connect to that. And he connected it to this idea in the Middle Ages of spider, spiders being disease vectors, or at least thought to be disease vectors, even though they they aren't or weren't. It's really interesting. Yeah, that's a completely different angle than like I've heard it described mm-hmm. as, which is like you have a in instinctual like you know, fear of spiders in your, in your, your monkey brain, <laughs> because like our primate ancestors are crawling around in trees. We're going to get eaten by a snake or bitten by a spider. This is more like over centuries of, of cultural evolution. Well, that's the thing. Like the yeah. thing you said, Joe would make sense, except that the studies have found exactly that, that it is a cultural thing. So you have to, yeah. So then looking at like, why is it true in, this culture and not in this culture. Yeah. This makes sense to me. It does. It makes a lot of sense to me. I think that's really, really interesting. Um, and, you know, and there are other examples of cross-cultural phobias or, or ones that are, that don't cross cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- this is a, a really, I think a really interesting example. And again, one hypothesis among many, mm-hmm. um, I'm sure 
if we talked about this, I think we gave this analogy and we talked about like afraid of flying, right? Like if if your mother is afraid of flying and as you were a child, she constantly talked about how she was afraid of flying. Maybe she had like a meltdown in an airport that you witnessed. The mm-hmm. odds of you being afraid of flying are higher. Yeah. So like it's the nature versus nurture thing with phobias that we talked about mm-hmm. that it, it seems yeah. like there is a there is a little bit of both. Um, yeah. With spiders... Maybe not. I mean, yes, if you are maybe from a culture that does not have a a fear of spiders generally, and then maybe you are adopted and raised within a culture that does, and, you know, you could learn it that way. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But not necessarily. I also wonder if it is like, I mean, there are many spider species that live, you know, here in Ohio, there's even like my favorite group of spider are the Disdorids. They're uh they eat roly poly wood woodlouse. They have these absolutely oh. massive fangs, but they're completely harmless. Right. But anyway, so like there's some like quote unquote creepy looking spiders to live here. I think we encounter probably a lot fewer spiders than people that live closer to the equator. Oh, yeah. Or in a tropical environment. For so sure. I wonder if it has something to do with that, too. Like, oh, what the hell is that thing versus here are these things that I encounter on a more regular basis? Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. It's well, very interesting. To think I'd about. also want to point out, we said that there's roughly 45,000 species of spiders mm-hmm. and around 200 of them are harmful to humans. But those 200 that are harmful to humans, most of them would only attack you in defense. You, you, most of those you really have to fuck with. Yeah. I think about a brown recluse spider, right? Like, yeah, its bite is harmful to humans. Yeah. But it doesn't want to be around you. Yeah. So, you know. Also, yeah, brown recluse hypothetically live in Ohio, but um, nearly one, I used to work with people that work with spiders, Near, like crawl through caves to find cave spiders, which now, <laughs> now you've started to lose me. Yeah, no, don't like that. <laughs> and I like spiders. Um, they said they told me that like be approaching one hundred percent of calls that either like poison control or hospitals or like people that study spiders get or people reporting a brown recluse are not a brown recluse because people don't know what brown recluses look like and they think that every spider in their house is a brown recluse. Yeah, I'm gonna guess. I mean, what's way more common in Ohio is like a wolf spider. People see a big spider and they're like, that's brown recluse. Yeah. If you see a brown recluse, it's unusual because the the proof is in the pudding on that one. The writing's on the wall. It's called a brown recluse. They're pretty cryptic. Yeah. (laughs) Typically, if you're going to find them in your house, it's in a part of your basement that is damp and you don't go there. Now, there's a couple places like some um, places in Australia, like around Sydney. There's the Sydney funnel web spider. Mm Mm-hmm. That is relatively common, does get into people's houses. They're like kind of aggressive. Yeah, I'm not saying there are no spiders that are aggressive. And they have a very venomous bite. So like people do have to like people check their shoes Mm. there. But yeah, you don't have any. We don't really have anything like that here. No. These are the spiders that if you, they see you, they raise their legs up in a threat (laughs) posture. Like, right. get the fuck away. Yeah. 
Yeah. Remember, you're always much bigger. So even if it's aggressive, it's more afraid of you than you are of it. Yeah. Now there is a some spider venom. Um, one of the symptoms is because um, it causes blood vessel dilation. Uh, you get an erection. <laughs> that priapism and erection that will not go away. Nice. Until you lose oxygen to your penis and the tissue starts to die. Well, that's not fun. Yeah. That's the, like, cock, you know, the cock block spider. Well you, well, you know, like those, you know, Viagra commercials, they're like, if you have an erection lasting more than four hours, call your doctor. Like, you get bit <laughs> by this thing. Now, the thing is, you may already be dead by the time this that becomes a problem. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I really urge people to just like go to Wikipedia and look up like some of the different groups of spiders. There's way more diversity than you probably imagine. There are spiders that mimic ants to get into their colony to eat them. There are social spiders that build colonies. There's all kinds of cool spiders. Some weird and wild stuff. Weird and wild stuff. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to an hour of our time. If you like what you heard, we encourage you to explore our catalog of over 150 episodes and rate and review on your platform of choice. And if you have any comments or episode topic suggestions, contact us at anhourofourtimepodcast at gmail.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.